Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about the best games to GM and to play? For the for the first time? Yeah, for the first time. <laughs> That's really the question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just talking about games we like. like yes, I was like, wait. <laughs> Cue music. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host who did a lousy job setting up the opening of the show, <laughs> Phil. And I am your other host who a trip tried to save him, Senda, but also can't speak tonight. Oof. <laughs> Oof. That was uh that is not what we would call a spectacular opening. Oof, Oof is That's, right. um so again. Because this is a perfect example of how we are not <laughs> editing the show. Yes. Um, wow, what was that? Uh, something behind me? <laughs> okay. All right. We're having such a great cold opening here. Uh, so, again, examples <laughs> of um, how during the pandemic, um, as a part of our own self-care, we have uh, kind of stepped down the show a bit and we're not editing and we're not scripting uh, because those are things that um, eat more spoons than give Whereas recording the show gives plenty of spoons. Indeed. So we like this part. This part is great. Yeah, yeah. The other parts are less fun, and in other times they have been a bigger priori- priority to us. But nowadays, we're just focused on this part. Right. We're just kind of keeping... good with this. We're keeping the audio going both for our sake and hopefully so that y'all have something kind of fun and silly to listen to as demonstrated by this entire opening today yes this opening's been a train wreck um <laughs> it's like it's the first time we've done it yes if it was any more bungled as an opening <laughs> it would have been a it would have been a uh, covid19 uh response yes by the u.s ouch right? wow yes here, I was trying to give you a first thing to like lead us into the topic, yeah, but no, no right. you just went right by that. <laughs> right by. Anyway, uh, tonight, tonight uh, we are in the uh, wish-granting mood, and uh, we actually, because right now we are just literally organically putting together episodes, uh, saw a topic in the slack room for life uh and then somebody added a question and we were like that could be an episode yeah that goes so tell together. us what we got cool so uh captain richard wanted to know what is the best game for a first time gm and then andrew tagged on to that and what is the best game for first time players awesome we decided that that sounds like a perfect episode. It gives us two sides of a thing to talk about, yep. which is a thing we love to do. Yes. Um, we uh, we consulted before the show, and I don't think this will come as a huge surprise. Uh, I will be doing the um, the best game for first time GMing. Yep. And, and you're going to do. I'm going to do the uh, best game for first time playing because I've done right. that uh, a bunch. A bunch. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually done first-time GMing, but I definitely have thoughts about it. So I was very yeah. comfortable taking that one. So I think what I want to do is start with a um, the simplest definition. Um, and we agreed that this was true for both, right? When we talk about the best, because when we get into subjective terms like what is the best, what is the worst, that kind of thing, it's not really helpful, yes. right? So not to say that our, those questions weren't good. I totally get what both uh, Andrew and Rich are asking, so I want to frame it a little better. Um, When we talk about the best game for GMing or playing, it has one goal, which is to make you want to do that activity again. Right. So the best games for GMing are games that, when you run them, make you want to GM them again. Yes. And likewise... When you're playing, yeah, make you want to play again. So basically what we're going for here is how do we 
or what are the specific circumstances that a game can give you to create a positive experience that will make you want to do it again? Right. And so our constraint here is, and I want to be clear because I don't want people to misunderstand these two, how these two, how we're doing these two questions. Yes. Um, so we're talking about first time GMs. Yep. So this is a person who may have played before yes. or may not have. Right. Right. May know what an RPG is or may not. Yes. But is going to assume the role of game master. Yes. Right. They could have been a player for many, many years and have decided I'm going to run my first uh, RPG or they could be like, you know, hey, I've seen these critical role folks and I'm going in the store and I'm going to go get this game because I want to try to learn how to GM myself. Yes. Um, and likewise, same thing with a player. Right. The player may have been a GM forever and now they're just playing, but probably since most GMs, um, I say most, and I came from the 80s where, um, you know, we had to mint ourselves essentially as GMs. Mm. Like most people play first before <laughs> they GM. There are a handful of people who jump right in uh, to the GMing level, but in many ways, since we, um, since a lot of people learn from somebody else, most people play before they GM. Right. Well, and if you just think about it, most games have a larger player ratio than GM ratio. Like Correct. You usually have one person running a game and like four to six people playing, right? Right. And so this might be a player who has, um, maybe they are a huge Critical Role fan and they've like seen all the episodes, right? So they have like a, a pretty good concept of how the game runs, right? Like a game runs, right? Because they've yeah, seen, yeah. you know, the game master players and all of that dynamic. Um, or uh, maybe they literally just have heard like some people play D&D. &D. What's, what's, what's a role playing game, right? Yeah. So, Okay. So we're going to try to encompass all of those ranges. Um, <laughs> but I want to specify one last thing. You and I both have picks for games. Yes. The, we are not answering that. what is the best game for both GMing and playing the first time. Correct. We actually have different answers. Yes. Um, and that's based on the idea that um, I, as a GM, first time GM, could be running for a table of experienced players. Yep. And likewise, um, your first player may be playing with an experienced GM. Yep. Right? Each question is going to achieve just the piece that we're talking about. Right. Correct. Okay. I mean, because let's be honest. Um, it's easier if there's someone in this equation who does kind of get how things work. Right? Because then you don't have to Absolutely. feel it out and totally figure out all this stuff for yourself. Sure. Um, so, And there are people who've done it. Yeah. Right? Like, there definitely are. Um, and it's certainly not a bad way to do it, but I do think it's probably easier if you don't have to. Yep. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think, and I mean, I think the way the hobby has always been is that if you find some, if you express an interest in being in the hobby, it's like a lightning rod. Somebody will find Someone you and be like, you. I will run you a thing or you can play in our game or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, it took me like four or five years to find that person, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, for me in the eighties, it was, I found the person, but then I wasn't allowed to play in yes. his peer group because I was you younger were and too baby. I was too baby to, I was the sixth graders had their own game and I was a fourth grader. And so I was relegated to my own campaign because I could not, um, sit with the sixth graders. Yeah. Um, that yep. was a thing. Yep. Okay. So all that aside, uh, would you like to go first? Uh, sure, if you would like me to. I mean... We've set it all up with you first, but I'll go first. Hey, this is what happens when we don't have an outline. Ladies first. Ladies first. <laughs> and so she was. And so she was. <laughs> and very tasty, too. Um, good. Fantastic. So the things that come to mind for me, and this is from some of my experiences running games for people who had never played an RPG before and who, who came to me in a way where they were like, hey, like they were friends, like, hey, we're, we're interested. What is this thing you do? It sounds cool. We're starting to see it lots of other places. How does it work? Can we play something, right? Cool. Um, so, so the stuff that I think um, ends up being key considerations, I think the primary one for new players and, and as a, an experienced GM running something for new players that my purpose is to make them want to play more games and be willing to commit 
harder, right, um, is, uh, is to find something that I can teach easily at the table. Um, so for me, that does mean that the games I've had the most success with in terms of new players have been very, um, like the, the rules are much simpler, right? Like they're thin on rules. There's not a ton of rules. We're not talking a lot about a crunch here. Um, they need to be digestible in a way that we can sit down and get into the actual gameplay quickly, right? Or get into the fun stuff quickly, the stuff that will really engage people. Um, and that's key because if you don't know when you sit down at the table that you're going to have fun once you're done with this like paperwork stuff, then it's really hard to get people to commit to, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever, um, of character creation, right? Like, yes, <laughs> because you're like, I'm doing a bunch of homework and math. Like, I don't even know if I'll like this when we're I mean, done with it. <laughs> you didn't even have, um, you didn't even have the joy of playing Palladium. I like, know. With, and, and I, and I kid you not like four hour character creation was like a good night. Yeah. I have never actually spent that long on character creation. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, they didn't have a computer program to do it oh, for you, right? God. So, like, you did it with you did it with loose leaf paper, and like, <laughs> like, did you have to find the square roots or something? Like, no, no, the math was pretty simple. Oh, there was the just math a lot was simple. The um, and it depended on the game, right? Because Playdium was an engine, and then they had different games. So, like, the worst of the worst was Heroes Unlimited building a robot or cyborg because not only did you have to do all the character creation stuff which was all the number crunching picking skills and all and many skills um then you were given like a budget of money to go buy your cybernetics or your robot oh chassis boy. parts weapons so then you had so to go shopping for hours to try to configure it, yourself it was like it, it could have been its own campaign making your character, <laughs> right? Like it was, e so, I mean, yeah, get, get, you know how we like to say, get to the monkey, right? This was not the game where you got to the monkey, right? right. Like when we talk about new players actually sitting at the table and playing the game is the monkey. Yes. Don't, don't spend too much time getting there. <laughs> like, yes. Now, again, arguments that any game can have pregens, but again, if I showed you what a Palladium character sheet looked like, uh, you would like, you know, on page three, we have your robots. Right. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, it it hasn't been my personal experience that overwhelming people with numbers, rules, and data is a good way for them to have a positive experience coming out of a role-playing game. When right, there's probably a few people. Probably. But, not, but probably not It hasn't not been my experience. I haven't that's, found that's one fair. of them yet. And that could just be me, because also we know what kind of games I like to mm, run, right? I don't, think it's, I don't think it's just you. Right. Like, well, so, so then the other part about that is... Um, there's 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 a psychological part to this too, right? I'm just going to go ahead and say it, right? Yeah. If you make people feel stupid, they're not going to have a positive experience at your table. So Right. And that and that goes to a topic that we're not going to cover yeah. tonight, which is like how to be a good host. Right. How to be a good right, host, which is a kind of a different thing, but like whenever we talk about the first introduction to something, people know that they're going to be learning a new thing and they're going to come like ready to learn that thing. Don't pick a thing that is like something that takes years for people to pick up on because the chance that they're going to keep coming back to it is much slimmer. <laughs> yes. Agreed. So that's like, that's a thing, right? So the first thing for me is to choose rules that are easy to grok, right? I, I am, I support that. I Good. support that hypothesis. That, that is, that's like kind of a primary one for me because the rest of these things um, are much easier if you have that part down, right? Sure. So the other thing that you want um, from the game or potentially, you know, your playing of the game, because, you know, a lot of these um, light rules ones that I use to introduce people, they don't have a lot of rules, which is the point, but it means they don't direct you a lot either, which is fine. Um, but you want to be able to have a game that will either in and of itself teach 
kind of the basics of how we have these storytelling conversations around the table, or at minimum gives you the space to demonstrate that, right? So one or the other, and it's fine if it's just giving you the space to demonstrate it as long as it does, right? So I would not start with a game that um, is very constraining in terms of like the uh, the potential outcomes, um, like actually this is I'm I'm specifically thinking of a, a particular version of when we were writing um, Love and Justice in which like we accidentally built in a clock to the system that like forced you to do things before you could end the game. Yes. That would that kind of thing would be bad. <laughs> It was it was tough. It was bad. It, didn't work. It, it was bad even for me as a very experienced player and GM who wrote the damn game. I was like, this is not working. But like that that sort of thing where you're expecting the players and constraining them to something really specific mechanically, um, instead of giving yourself the space to basically demonstrate how we have role playing conversations at the table, and whether that conversation is a crunchy one like I'm going to move five squares to the right and attack. Or whether that conversation is a narrative one, like, um, you know, I burst into the room and I point at El Jefe and I say, you lied! Um, you know, whatever yes. that is, we're still teaching them those things. We're still demonstrating that stuff, right? So space to demonstrate that, a minimum. Um, and then hand in hand with that, I find it extremely important that it's a game that gives the players creative... Um, creative interactions, right? Um, meaning that they get to invest in what they've made, they get to invest in the story, they get to invest and commit to making decisions because that's a lot of what's fun about these. Like, we're going to make decisions, we're going to find out what happens, we're going to logically extrapolate what our character would do in situations while telling a story together. Um, you know, we're doing a bunch of teamwork things, really. Um, and it's really important for someone's first game that you give them that experience of investment. And this to me again, ties back into those rules being light enough that you can get them easily because then you don't have to spend all of your time thinking about the rules. You can spend your time being interactive and invested in the story in the game itself. Right. So, yeah. So that's a thing. Um, and then the last thing that I think is important, um, and, and this may, this is one of those, you know, it may vary a little bit more because um, some players might come up to you and they might say, I've been listening to, you know, campaign for forever and I really want to play Genesis and I know you're running a Genesis game. Can I come play in it? And I want, like, I'm prepared and ready to commit for the next three years. And like, sure, that'll happen. But a lot of people are like, I don't know, like, this seems kind of cool. Can I try it? Um, so it's much easier to use a game that you can play for a short span of time for a first game. Um, because my personal opinion is, as a general rule, although always there are exceptions to this, like I said, but as a general rule, I think that one-shots are the best introduction to both role-playing games in general and like specific games if you need to introduce someone to a specific game. And the reason for that is you're not asking someone to commit for the next three years every Sunday or whatever it is. Um, you know, you will be here every Sunday for the next three years the rest of your life. Um, you're just saying to them, hey, cool. I'm, you know, I, you're interested in this. I'd love to run you something. Why don't you come over on Friday night and, um, you know, we'll play for two to four hours. Right. And we'll have a satisfying story in that time. And then they can leave having gone, huh, that was about the same time that I would have spent playing a board game. And did I have a good experience? Right. Yep. So so to me, something that you can play in a small amount of time or a reasonable amount of time so that the commitment is um, one day, <laughs> one so, session. So can, yeah. So can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. So in that two to four hours, we're talking about um, set up character play game be done correct okay yes. yes yes we are talking like everybody sits down at the table and the timer starts yep okay good i just want to be i just want to be clear with that because that's um I, I think that's actually very important as well right it is yeah because you that shouldn't be your character creation <laughs> yeah um yeah for sure 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts on that before I jump into, like, the games that I would personally recommend? No, I wanted to hear a couple of suggestions. Yeah, my favorite one is actually Lasers and Feelings. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just good for it. I've used it a bunch of times to introduce new people. And I think that, you know, the hacks... Um, because there are so many of them, like it's really easy to also tailor it towards a specific genre that people may be more or less, you know, interested in if Star Trek doesn't do it for them. But Such as uh, cyberpunk or magical girls? Yeah, I imagine those. There's definitely some cyberpunk and magical girls out there in the lasers and feelings hack land. Um, sure. But, but also, like, even just as it is, um, as, as a kind of Star Trek-based adventure, it's already... Um, it's already like a pretty universally known geek tropey, you know, thing. It wasn't one that I knew before we started watching it, but I still played it and I still caught on and it was fine. So let me ask you, yeah. um, based on your criteria yeah. that you were talking about before, tell me why, um, like just run me through why lasers and feelings, uh, meets all those criteria. Yeah. It meets those criteria. So it's a game that I know I can run in two hours. Right. So that's where we talk about small commitment. Um, The dice system is very straightforward. You're rolling between one and four dice generally. Um, And it's very clear. And you build that pool together. And basically, as the GM, um, I can talk them through it. Like, okay, you're doing this thing. Does this seem like a thing that you're using lasers or feelings for? Are you doing this mentally? Are you doing this like, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallum, like logically? um, Yep. You know, so tell tell me which it is, um, and then uh, and then roll, right? And we talk through that, and usually for the first several dice rolls, then it's like cool, and then everybody gets it. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then the other thing about it is like it just rolls through really pretty easily. It's got a pretty engaging system that is very upbeat and um, pushes the story along and kind of makes everybody invest. Um, that's fun. I mean, I have also personally found that it's much easier to get people into like funny, lighthearted games because again, they don't have to commit as hard, right? Like you don't have to commit to um, big, strong, hard, emotional stuff. And Lasers and Feelings yeah. fits that too. I think there's a certain emotional distance, right? For playing something funny. Yes. That helps, right? Like it gives you, like it's so. For instance, a game that I do know that takes uh, two to four hours to play from start to finish. Um, that has very light mechanics. That um, that is pretty teachable uh, to new players. Uh, is a game that we designed, uh, Turning Point. Yes, but it's I don't not think I one would... that I would recommend no. as a first. Right. Right. It's. <laughs> It's a it's a much heavier game, and there's probably some people who would dig that. Oh, but if I, you but if you told me off the top of my head, like, hey, pick a game. Right, it's, it's not, not my first choice. No, but I right. did play it at Origins last year with a woman who, um, it was. I don't think it was her very first game ever, but it was her. She was she had played her first game ever that weekend at Origins last year. Um, yep. So it was very new, but she ha- she was also there specifically for that kind of game. Um, so she knew what she was getting into. It might be the second game I play with you, right? Sure. Like, so I run lasers and feelings for you, and you're like, "Oh, that was great." I'm like, and, and be like, "But it was, you know, but like I could play something deeper, more emotional, and be like, okay, like yeah, like okay, then I've got I a have game. a game." Um, yeah, but but you know, the other game that I actually forgot about when we talked about this topic initially that I've also had very good success. Um, as an introductory game, even lighter than Lasers and Feelings is all out of bubblegum. I have run that one as an introductory game several times, and the rules for that game are Bonkers. three sentences. I want to say like it's they're wild, um, and and ex- I don't you can't get a whole lot lighter and still have a game, um, and so th- that also produces kind of wild, off the walls, funny, silly game stuff. Um, for yes. me and people get into it because it's comedic and funny and we laugh and they leave and they had a positive experience and I ran it in two hours. Right. Um, and they didn't have to learn a lot of stuff again. I'm with you. Yeah. So like those ones, but if you want to do something that is a little bit more than just like the single page or like three sentence game, um, stuff, then, then I would recommend looking at some powered by the apocalypse games. Right, because powered by the apocalypse, you still you get those playbooks, um, 
people get to make decisions about their characters. They're decisions that matter in terms of how they play them, but they can make them very quickly by just selecting choices from the lists. That's like a thing oh, that sure. Powered by the Apocalypse is really good at, right? Like, here are some options. Just pick one. Woo, I made a character. Um, so it gets you through character creation still very quickly. And then the thing that Powered by the Apocalypse does, um, I mean, you can certainly run it as a one shot too, right? But it means that you have the open end where you could then continue if everybody had fun. I have run many a Powered by the Apocalypse games as one shot. I know, like Hydro Hackers, maybe? Yeah. Um, but the other thing about Powered by the Apocalypse is that if your GM is experienced and knows the game well, then you as a player don't really have to know that much um, about how the game actually ticks, right? It's a good framework for that because the actual framework itself is conversational. It means that... Um, the GM is going to tell me if slash when I need to roll something, right? Yeah. So that's where we get into. Now, the GM the GM has to be experienced enough with that game that they remember all the moves to be like, ooh, it sure. sounds like you're engaging one. Let's roll for it. Um, so but, I can speak to this. Yeah. I can speak to this pretty directly, right? Yeah. Because I have, um, at many cons, I have run Hydro Hackers um, for players who've never played a PBTA game before. Yeah, for before, sure. Right? The and game. the thing I always tell everyone is I tell them, I say, don't worry. I said, uh, just uh, put your D6 out in front of you. This game is a conversation. We're going to have a back and forth conversation. And when we need to, I will tell you to roll some dice. Yep. And within an hour of, of making the first couple moves, yep. People catch the up. players got the move sheet in their hand yep. and, then and are kind going. of like turning yep. it back and forth and we're off and running. Yep. Yeah, but it is very yeah. easy as the GM to drive the education of that framework through play. You don't really have to explain a ton. Oh, uh, it's it's really like even at the most I can be like, okay, here's the deal. We're gonna roll two. We're gonna roll. We're often gonna roll two d six plus a stat. Uh, ten higher, ten or higher is awesome. Seven to nine is pretty good. Six minus, I'm gonna decide what happens. Yep done <laughs> like that's it yeah like, which is why powered by the apocalypse right because as a new player yeah. it keeps all the stuff that a player has to keep in their mind pretty limited yeah yeah all right cool yeah so anyway i like your choices yeah cool uh well i'm excited I to like, hear yours i not only like your choices yeah. i have played every one of those games ah, that is i have played above i've played above i've played a uh all out of bubblegum. I my first the game first I ever game played ever with played you. The first game you ever played with me was Lasers and Feelings. Was Lasers and where Feelings. You played, yep. Wow, chicken. Um, there was definitely some chicken playing chicken happening at that table. Yes. Well, I was bold and also queer, so I was. You know, <laughs> you hadn't. Admitted, I was willing to get. Se- I was willing to get sexy with the with the first officer. I know you hadn't admitted like, you were queer yet. That's why it was funny. No, I wasn't out back that then. Was that was a uh, hilarious. Good. Yeah. Anyway. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And then. And okay. So first time jamming. Yeah. First time jamming. Tell us. All right. So first time jamming. So my criteria for first time jamming is that um, it's a couple things. One, I'm going to I'm going to say a game that has lighter mechanics. Now, different people having like played different games might have a different threshold for mechanics. But when we talk about the eight things that you're always juggling as a GM uh-huh. mechanic, mechanics is one of them. Yep. So I, I want to, for your first time running a game, I want your mechanics to be a bit simpler because uh, you're going to be juggling them mm-hmm. and I need you to, you know, I need them not to be cumbersome. Uh, the next thing is I need the game. So I need the mechanics of the game to help you GM the game. Right. So I need the I need what what goes on in the game. I need it to facilitate the progress of the game and for it to um, help you execute whatever the core loop of your game is. Right. So whatever it is, the activities, the things that the players do, I need the mechanics of the game to also do that. Right. I don't need you as a first time GM having to GM over the mechanics of a game. Yes. That is a thing that experienced GMs can do quite easily. But as a new GM, I need the game. I need the game to be in lockstep with you, right? Like if this game is about investigation, then I need the mechanics of investigations to help you as a GM move the game forward. Yes. Okay. And then lastly, I need the game 
the the text of the game, the rules of the game, I need, I shouldn't say lastly, I've got one more. Um, second to last, I need the rules of the game and the advice in the game, in the game itself to help you as a GM and a, a term that I used to use a long time ago, and I will, I will use it here. I need the text of the game to weaponize you as a GM, right? I need you to finish reading this thing and know exactly how to execute this game. I don't need you to know every nuance of GMing. I don't need you to know how the nuances of controlling side chatter or whatever. I need this game. If this game is about investigation and hint, one of my picks is a game about investigation. Um, If this, if this game is about investigation, I need this game to teach you mysteries and investigation so that when you're running it, you are empowered weaponized to do so. And then lastly, it would be helpful if this game has something for you to run. Yes. Not to say you can't write your own thing, but if this is your first time, it would be nice if they gave you something that was structured uh, and facilitated the core loop of the game. Right. If nothing else, even if you decided not to actually use what they gave you, it's a really good demonstration of how to do what they're teaching you how to do, right? 100%. Right. Exactly. Yep. So even if I'm going to go write my own thing, I can at least just go look and see how they have theirs. Yep. Okay. So uh, my first pick for this, I'm going to. All right. So I'm going to do my my first pick for this is going to be a perennial game, um, which is Fate Accelerated. Yeah. Um, and, and, in, and in general, I'm going to say Fate Accelerated. I'm going to say to a lesser extent, Fate Core. And the one that I have not explored yet, which I suspect will be at least on par with fate accelerated will be uh fate condensed yeah i haven't actually Sullivan. i i have not run it yet yeah. but if it if but if it is a tighter version of core yes then it is ahead of core yes um the fate books do a wonderful job of um helping you to get the game started and they have uh masterful advice on how to run fate yes um which is very, you know, which is specific. Now, what it lacks is it does not have an adventure yeah. in it. But if you read the Fate book, you will feel confident enough to run a Fate game. Yes. And, and engage, and, and the mechanics of the game propel that game forward, right? For what Fate is supposed to do, the the mechanics of the game help you do that. And um, I like that game a lot as a first GMing. I like Accelerated a lot because Accelerated is a very light game. Uh, yeah, and I think it's. I have a question. Um, yes. So, would you direct people specifically to just the general game, or would you say, like, for the purposes of starting off and having more um, a more focused um, game than like Fate, which is very general? It's an it's a whatever you want it to be style system. Would you point them at something like Rockalypse or like some of the Fate worlds that have specific mechanics? I think some of those get like some of those. One of the things that happens when when uh, a lot of people de- design their fake games is they tack on additional it's stuff. It's true, it. yeah. So what I what I would like in Accelerated is that I believe if I if if I'm remembering it correctly, Accelerated has some pre gen characters in the back. Does it? Oh, I think so. I'm pretty sure it has like the kind of iconic shelf. characters. Yeah. Um, and they're probably pretty good. Like they probably give you a pretty good idea of where to go. Like I said, it, it is one, it is one flaw that it does not have an adventure, um, to go with. And so, um, if you are in an improv mood, um, the, it's not my fault cards. Very good. Um, will actually cover so the rest, good. but, but I, I will say that that's, it's challenge. Now I'm going, I said that because I've always liked fate accelerated, but I'm going to tell you a game that I think is actually better. For your first GMing. Mm-hmm. The game I think that is actually um, a great first time GMing experience is Tales from the Loop. So here, I'm going to break it down for you. Here's what I like about Tales from the Loop. The Tales from the Loop system is fairly straightforward. The actual rules for the game are, are in a nice, neat chapter. It's not very difficult. Um it, at all like the the mechanics the mechanic is pretty simple uh, how to make dice pools how to roll and how to interpret them uh very straightforward it does not have a separate combat chapter with all sorts of options mm. and things like that combat if there is any is just a skill check right 
Very straightforward. The game has a set of principles right up front in the in the opening of the book. It has like I forget how many there are. I'm going to I'm going to say eight because that's what we say when we don't know a number on the show. Um, It has a set of principles that lay out for you. This is how the world works in this game, right? It tells the GM this is the setting. It also has a wonderful set. It also has a wonderful amount of setting information, which is also helpful to get you into the game. It is a game about investigations. The mechanics facilitate investigations. And it tells you right in the rules. uh, Failed roles do not stymie the investigation. It, like, explains to you in the game, like, a failed role has consequences, but you kind of need to get the game, like, you need to keep the game moving along. Right? And they give some examples of that or whatever. So I really like that. When we talk about weaponizing a GM, right, empowering the GM, the book has a whole chapter dedicated to how mysteries work. And they give you, like, a little formula for doing them. And it's not that you have to use that formula for the entire time you ever GM the game. But um, for starting out, it is a great formula to help you build your own mysteries. And then, if that wasn't enough, Mm -hmm. there is a sandbox campaign setting where they basically give you little uh hooks for npcs all around the islands where the kids where the kids live and they give you an arc of i believe it's four adventures in the back of the book that are four fully formed mysteries uh that you can run each one is made to be run in one session but it gives you a whole arc they're interconnected stories with a uh, central character um, all of that put together, all of that in one hardcover book. Yeah. It is a great experience for um, running a GM. It is not the genre, like people, you know, like, it's not like running D&D and it's not like running fantasy. Like, it, it's got a very specific genre, right? The 80s that never was. But the book executes so well that I, I like, comfortably could give that to a new GM. Um and be comfortable that one, it's going to immerse the GM in the setting. It's going to, um, it has a system that's easy to run and it's going to make sure that you know how to run investigations as well as give you stuff to run so that you don't have to write anything the first time. Chef's kiss. Mm. Who could ask love for anything more? I love that game too. We did it differently though. What's, yes, <laughs> I mean... I played that game very orthodox. In fact, I played it in Sweden. I didn't move it to America, uh, despite um, the um, challenges we had pronouncing things. And boy, did I try using Google to help me pronounce things. And I'm sure we did a terrible job pronouncing them. But I, um, I actually you really like the yeah. Well, I like the island setting. the the Nevada The Nevada setting's good, but the island. I like the. Um, I like the Swedish setting for the game. I know. And I had a lot of fun. We ended up actually putting it in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. In the supplement. In, in, so there's a second book yes. that comes out with the game that actually has the rules how for to how build to build the loop in your own town. Yes. I did it from, like I said, I like, and this is a very me thing, right? So when I run a game for the first time, I don't mess with it very much because I'm really trying to get the experience that the designer had. Yeah. Versus the experience that I think the designer had, right? I try to, I try to come at it. I guess the best way is I try to come at it humbly that the designer had some sort of intent. I would like to experience that intent. I may not agree with it later. There are definitely games where I've run it and been like, I don't actually, you know, didn't enjoy the way that ran, or I like the way this game ran, but I'm home brewing. I'm home. I'm, uh, um, what you call it? House ruling the following things in. Yeah, I mean, we actually did start reasonably, um, pretty, pretty committed to like it. It started in a pretty normal tales from the loop way. It's just that we're talking about my game group, and it went off the deep end. Yeah, which is fine. We just we just, and we know. we let it go. We don't stop these things from happening. It's where the magic. Correct. It's where the magic happens. Yeah. So and so I say tales from the loop. People might ask, like, is um, is are other games from Free League just as uh, just as easy? Uh, I will say 
Probably not. I think Tales from the Loop is the simplest implementation of the rules. Forbidden Lands is more complicated. Um, but Forbidden Lands is not a bad um is not a bad system. I don't know if it's a first system, but it's definitely a second game you could play. Like the second time you GM like kind of thing. Like it's close it's it's a little more complicated, but uh it does a great job of supporting you. Yeah. So I, I'm good. I'm yeah, no, it's it's well I was just I was <laughs> thinking about this because the first game I ever ran, of course, was D D. And then the next game I ever ran was Pathfinder. And both of those were absolute flops for me. Um, and I don't think that I actually really felt like I succeeded at running a game effectively until I... Um, gosh, it might have also actually been Lasers and Feelings. So I just I will so, throw that out there because there is still something to be said for even those really simple rule systems. But I came at it from a very different direction where I had been listening to a lot of play. So let me let me qualify a few things that we did not mention yeah. in case people are like kind of railing at us right now, <laughs> you know, on their he- on their headphones. It could be. One, um, I have not read nor GM'd Five uh, E. So Five E may Five E may have all the um, you know may may have all the good supports for helping games, but I think that um, I think that games for a first time experience for GMing. Um, I think a lot of people do it. I don't think it's the optimal game. I right? agree. It's a popular game to be your first uh-huh. GMing experience. I don't necessarily think it's the best uh, first game for your GMing experience, but lots of people do it. And there's lots of people who know how to do it. So um, it may not be optimal based on the criteria we set, but there are enough people who've done it to kind of help you get through it. Um, and again, once you've gone through it, it gets better. So it doesn't like, once you've gotten over the hump, yeah. as long as you had a good you enough experience to, to want to do it again, yeah. you'll do it again. I know. The- I didn't. I didn't GM again for years and years and years. The first game I ever <laughs> ran was 3-5, and I didn't try GMing again until like 10 yeah. years later, and then it was Pathfinder. Also a bad idea. Three fives a lot. Like, I mean, there's a lot of, so, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good advice in those books, but there's a lot of book. There's a lot right, of to get book. Through. And yeah. while I had read the entirety of the player's handbook, like reading the entirety of the Dungeon Master's Guide straight through and keeping all of that in right. my head was like yes. ay 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 and then yeah, but it, it's it's intimidating and then trying to trying to manage a story and trying to retain a textbook's worth of game rule information at the same time because let's be honest that's what that is it is and many 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 of us went through that yeah. you know i mean some people i mean you went through 35 which yeah I will say is, you know, better written yes. than I went through advanced D and D, which was written in High Gygaxian, which when you're ten like, High Gygaxian is a mountain, right? Yeah. Like, I mean it's um, certainly not that it can't be done by any any stretch of the imagination. Correct. Um but it's it is it is interesting to me that I basically had two failed starts as a GM before I succeeded and my two failed starts were because of some of the things that you were specifically avoiding. I think that's legit. Um, And then, and then like one thing, which I'll just add really quickly. And then I guess we should wrap up this show. Like as a first time GM that I think is really important is that you're excited about the game that you're going to run. I agree. I agree. That's an emotional thing. Like, it's an emotional thing, and you should look for games that um, that favor that right um, it, as best as possible. Um, another thing I will um, I will mention that we did not mention in the show because it is super popular on the Twitters right now, and it's because we have not um, neither one of us own the game is Quest. Right. A lot of people are saying a lot of good things about <laughs> right. A lot of people are saying a lot of good things about Quest in terms of playing it and running it, and it that in many ways it seems to be optimized for streaming and stuff like that. And those are all awesome things. Um, but it's not a game I'm familiar with, so I can't necessarily say if it falls into my criteria. But here's what I'm hoping: because we told you the criteria first, right? Now you can tell hoping, us more games that you feel right. fall into our specific criteria. Yes, that's Tweet the us. whole point, right? So, <laughs> yeah, the the idea is that if you take the advice, the first part of the advice we told you about some of the things that are important and you look at games with that eye, that you should be able to find more games those, like you that. should be able to find games that are going to be 
a good best fit for you. Yes. As opposed to the ones that we're saying, which are good best fits for us. But let's be honest, I'm rolling up on 40 years of GMing. I can't, I can barely remember my first time GMing now. And I'm so far from being a new GM that I can only look at a game and guess that this is probably good for a new GM because, um, you know, I'm old and I've done this forever. Right. So. Right. Um, and, and like I said, my, my first GM successes actually came from some of the games that I now use to introduce new players. Um, Which you've done very successfully. Yeah. I've seen you do yeah, it. Yeah, it works out. I've seen you make converts. Uh, um, and I think, and, and again, I think you're absolutely right. So that's, so that's, that is our take on it. Um, I'm sure that many people will have ideas on other great first games to, to GM. I'm sure some people will be like D and D is the first, like the best first game to GM. It's not my opinion that that's true, but it is not that it is wrong. Um, Again, this is a very subjective uh, discussion, wrong, bad, so fun. we'll take it as it is. Wrong, bad, fun. Right. No wrong, <laughs> bad, fun. Um, unless it's unsafe, and then that's wrong, then, bad, then fun. Then that is but actually as truly. As, it, as, long as, it's safe and, as long as it's safe and consensual, have fun. You have an, in, All right. In order, for us to get, in order for us to get out of yes. here, <laughs> we need to talk about another show on the network, and then I will get us to the closing. So quickly, um, tell me about the um, tell me about the that gnome stew show thing. Didn't I tell you about that last week? All right, tell me <laughs> about the misdirected mark. Sure, on the misdirected mark, uh, Phil and Jerry and Bob get together and they give you the three hundred one on design and GMing, and there's an after show which is great. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get all we're gonna get all deep we're gonna get all deep on patrons this week. Yeah, heck yeah. That's that's a thing. Like, um, I, I was I was pleased with my writing for the patron. Um, uh, now I'm going to stop you because thing. you're saying that, but they're going to have already. Yeah, I'll figure <laughs> out where it is. Find the episode that Wibbly says patrons. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. This four hundred one. I this believe is it's going gonna to be. drop the week. Patrons. If you watched it live, you'll have already seen that. If you anyway, carry on. Wait, wait, wait. If but if you but if you listen to it listen recorded, to it recorded, it'll come out tomorrow. Then tomorrow. Yes. Yes, Correct. it'll be out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Say send us. Yes. Where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. Or you can find us by dropping us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Use any of those and tell us what your favorite first games are. Actually, Twitter is the best for that because then it can be part of like the threaded feed that other people see instead of just us. We don't need first-time games so much. Not first-timers. Um, and what else can they do with that information, Phil, once they have it? Uh, you can also leave us questions. So like Rich and Andrew did, you can ask us a question um, and we will try to answer it. Um, we've been doing episodes lately. We, I, My hint is, I'm, <laughs> because I know what I'm doing the rest of this week, my hint is next week's going to be a chit-chat. Yeah, it is. Um, more than an episode. But... Um, but um, send us your questions. Uh, we love to talk about the things that you find interesting. Really, we try to power the show on basically that. Um, and in our 200 plus episodes, we have like a 90, like 5% rating of doing um, listener derived shows. We strive for this, these nines um, like they, you know, were the gold. Anyway, leave us some, uh, leave us some suggestions and we'll get chatting. Um, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mistructed Mart ne Network, please consider uh, being a patron of the show if you can. Uh, patrons of the show, um, well, your patronage does a lot for us. Um, it keeps the lights on, our servers running, um, keeps us with mics and cords and all of that stuff that goes into making the podcasts that uh, we hope you enjoy. Um and uh, if you do choose to become a patron, uh, you will get access to our Slack Room for Life, which is a uh, just a great little uh, community of awesome humans where we have, um, if you're home during, you know, during this pandemic times, we have uh, Friday luncheons, which are just a great gathering of people talking about games and life. Um, we have various rooms that you can come and discuss stuff in. Um, when we are not in pandemic mode, 
we uh, often have encoded designs dropping in to drop off stuff for our patrons. We just haven't done that in a while because um, we're just not doing those things right now. Um, but you get the uh, bonus outtakes from this show. You get the after show from Misdirected Mark. Um, you can get you. I think you can even still see our show notes, right? Like, oh, our pan- well, not, not our, our show, show notes, notes but other people's show that notes. That would require me to actually post said show notes. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we don't There's have show, no show notes, notes, but some other people do. <laughs> Yeah, um, but anyway, um, it, it 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 it's it's it means a lot to us. Um, so if you can, we appreciate it greatly. If you uh, are already a patron, which is lovely, and if you're not able to be a patron, which we totally understand, there is a thing you can do that's still super helpful for us um, that uh, supports our "If you listen to us, you will love us" campaign. It involves doing a little bit of typing on your part. But it could be really helpful for us. And what is that? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show. It's like standing out in the street with a sign and saying, I like this one. And then hopefully people will come listen to it because the algorithm will push us further up towards the top. So we massively appreciate it. And uh, thank you so very, very much to everyone who has already left a review. If you don't want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you know, just like, I don't know, tell a friend. Just tell them yeah, directly. Literally, just, just tell say, one of your gaming friends. Hey, Be like, hey. Have you heard this one? Cool. That's also awesome. Yeah. They're, they're whatever. There are whatever outtakes a little bit at the end of the show again, because we keep saying silly stuff before we start recording. I'm just not I editing know. them. <laughs> And just slapping them onto the uh, end of the show. All right. <laughs> anyway, we need to get going. So uh, say, Senda, um, what plot do you think you'll run for your next Lasers and Feeling games now that you've had, uh, now that you've gotten to watch all these TNG episodes? <laughs> I actually think that my plot for them is still really good. Show me what you got. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. I've got waveforms. You've, You've got, got waveforms. waveforms. I've We've got, got waveforms. Who could ask for anything more? <laughs> Old man trouble, I don't mind him. You won't find him in my recording. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I was trying to come up with more on the fly, but you know what? I think I did that as a real waveform song at some point in the long ago. Way, way past. long ago. So, whatever. Go find that one. <laughs> it was better, I'm sure. Yeah. That's stuck All in right. my head now. But we shouldn't record too much at the I was going to say, we do want to roll right into yes. the episode so that you don't have a lot to uh, trim up on the front end, right? Yeah, should I do a 10 count? Yes, please. Okay. Bloop. Oh, really? We're keeping that? Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 